Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 20 of the Creative Marketing Podcast with me, your host, Angus Boyle. On today's show, I'm going to be joined by today's host, Angus Boyle, and nobody else. Yeah, still haven't got any guests. Whatever, deal with it. Um, Although I will promise I have high hopes that this episode will significantly outperform in terms of the quality of the content last week's episode. Listen, you can't, like I said, you can't win everyone, but consistency is the most important thing. So putting out a kind of shitty episode is better than putting out no episode. And so that's what you got last week. You got a kind of shitty episode. But this week, um, to save myself from having to attempt to just completely ramble again, I've gone for something with a bit of structure. I put out the call across a few platforms, across LinkedIn and Instagram for questions that people have around marketing. And so, and I honestly, I got such, such thank you to everyone who responded. Really appreciate your fucking sexy legends. Um, and thanks to all the questions. I'm going to make two episodes out of this. This is next week's episode is also going to be Q&A. So hope you like this one because there's another one coming next week. Um, so yeah, uh, I was yeah trying to avoid the shambles that was last week. So I've gone for something with a bit more, a bit more punch to it, and a bit more of a game plan in place before I hit record. So I'm excited for that. There's even a fucking Google Doc with questions in it. Like, hello, fancy, pretty fucking professional up in here, nearly as professional as my professional USB condenser microphone for podcasting. That's what this great audio quality is for. From whatever. Um, <laughs> Oh, don't forget the show is sponsored by artbyangus.com. Get your paintings while they're still there, which they are. Um, other than that, maybe, oh, I'm not going to do it this week, but maybe maybe some week soon, keep listening, because I'm going to offer a steep discount for podcast listeners for a limited time only. So watch this space if you're in the market for a painting. Um, or just buy one at full price. And don't be stingy. But whatever, it's up to you. Uh, other than that... Don't forget to subscribe, drop a review, tell your friends about the show, and let's fucking get into it. Welcome to the Creative Marketing Podcast. Yeah, mixing it up, keeping people guessing, keeping you on your toes. Need to readjust after I put the guitar down. It causes a bit of audio feedback, but deal with it. Um, Okay, now I'm going into my dock. I'm now paranoid because I can't see the recording screen. So let's hope this just doesn't all horribly go wrong. Um, keep my fingers crossed. So, welcome to episode 20. First of all, pat myself on the back. 20 episodes. Good man, Angus. Well done. Can't believe it. Um, how time flies when you're having fun. Um, I hope you're having fun with me too. Um, listen, let's just get straight into it. Like I said, put out the call for questions across Instagram Facebook, I believe, LinkedIn, multi-platform approach here, you know, um, and got a bunch of questions. So I've split it into two lists. So if you did submit a question and you're listening and it isn't featured in this episode, fear not, tune back in for episode 21, which is probably a slightly nicer number than 20. So you have that to console you. Um, and we'll see your question should be featured in that episode. And if it's not, and I've just ignored you, it either means that I hate you or I probably missed your question. It's more than likely the latter one because there's very few people I hate in this world. Um, I'm trying to reduce to zero, but there's a few where I haven't quite gotten over the hatred yet. Uh, 
probably just one person. <laughs> but I won't get into that here. Anyway, let's get into the show. So, I've front-loaded a couple of the questions. I asked for marketing-specific questions. Uh, there was a few that weren't, but who am I to ignore people's questions? So, I've front-loaded the ones that aren't aren't uh, aren't marketing questions. First question, what's your favourite colour? I mean, you would have thought I would have thought of the answer for this by now. A couple of options. Um... I heard that yellow was the colour of madness and since then I've started painting more with yellow because I just like that. I like to be a bit mad. There's nothing wrong with a bit of madness, you know? Unless it goes too far, then there's something wrong with it. Um, also, Baker Miller Pink, Google it. It's a beautiful colour. That's probably is my favourite colour. That's probably my favourite colour for paintings. I don't know, the two of them. I love a lot of them though. Also, fun fact about colours, I often think things are red and then people look at me like I'm a full weirdo and are like, what are you talking about? That's very clearly orange. And I think, because my hair is orange, but I'm always getting told that my hair is red, uh, that's why I think orange is red and sometimes I see it that way. Okay, I've got, I just jumped in. Oh, listen. This has gone horribly wrong. I said I got nervous because the doc was in a different screen to the recording and I couldn't see that it was recording. I just recorded a fucking 40-minute fucking podcast and went back in and it didn't record. It just cut off right at that orange hair fucking bit for no reason. So, literally, I answered one question and then, then that was it. Game over. So, here we go. <laughs> round two, take two. Hopefully, I've worked out some of the kinks in the first round. Um, it's probably going to be a slightly shorter episode than it was the first time I recorded it because ain't nobody got time for that. But here we go. Let's get into the next question. So, yeah, anyway, uh, Baker Miller Pink's a great colour. I think yellow's a great colour because it's the colour of madness. I see the colour red. I see the colour orange, I believe, as red even. Because of my... Fucking ginger pubes. <laughs> oh, behave. Anyway, so, thanks for that question, Zach. John Coughlin with the next question. Um, my former former housemate. Uh, he's gone very avant-garde. No even attempt to make it about marketing or about art or anything. His question is, ever wondered what an eight-foot otter would look like? And the answer is, John... Until this point, no. But since I read this question yesterday, I've been thinking extensively about what an 8-foot otter would look like. Um, For some reason, I'm thinking pretty grotesque, honestly. Like, very slimy, quite scary. Those teeth are pretty sharp, and on something that's 8-foot long, that would become quite ominous. Uh, And the other thing, for some reason, I'm convinced it would have disgusting-smelling breath, and it would just generally smell bad. Which has nothing to do with what it would look like, but... Those are the things that sprung to mind. So, hope that answers your question. If you're here for marketing advice, then I hope you've, hope you've stuck with me this this far because we're going to get into the meat and bones. <laughs> meat and bones and potatoes, whatever the expressions are. We're going to get into the marketing knowledge right now. So, first question from Jake Wally, a fine co-worker of mine and just a fine man. Um, 
What would you do to get the most reach out of the lowest amount of or no money? To answer this question, the next question is about a tight budget. So I'm going to answer this question based on if you had no money. What are you going to do to get the, the most reach? I think there's a number of platforms. I think, honestly, listen, a lot of marketing advice, a lot of marketing advice these days is just Gary Vee's marketing advice and then other people give that same advice. So there's two very obvious starting points and those are LinkedIn and TikTok because those are places where there's just organic reach up the wazoo. On TikTok, you can post a video um, and have it seen by millions of people on on. LinkedIn, you can do the same. You can post a text post and have it seen by thousands, hundreds of thousands and millions of people. Um, and so because because of that, those are two places that are really, um, really exciting and really interesting places to start. If you're, if you're just starting out and you're looking to grow an audience, those are the places to go because you don't need an existing audience to get eyeballs on your content. If the content's good enough, it will get really big reach there. There are a couple of other places. Um, I think Instagram is sort of a lot of people are very upset about the fact that reach on Instagram is dwindling. Um, I think they're crybabies personally, but um, I think for people who who are sort of sad that there's not as much reach as there used to be on Instagram, that is true in general. However, Instagram Reels, there is a great deal of reach available um, because they're sort of trying to build that product up, trying to start compete with start to compete with TikTok there is actually a lot of reach available there and so uh while across a lot of t- uh, across, across a lot of instagram you're gonna struggle to even be seen by most of the people who actually follow you um on reels there is strong potential to reach beyond the people who already follow you and, and to really sort of get your content seen by a lot of eyeballs there and then the last thing I think, which is super underrepresented in this conversation, is YouTube. First of all, YouTube has a product called Shorts, um, and that is, I mean, if you post a short video that's vertical and you include hashtag Shorts in the title of the video, I think you're eligible for it in certain ways anyway. But I think the actual sort of product within the app isn't rolled out yet, and it's very much going to be along the lines of TikTok, along the lines of. Um, reels where it's sort of a full screen short video experience but already people are saying they're seeing really strong organic growth with with shorts um, and as that sort of rolls out as a standalone feature I think it's in India it's been tested and they've seen great success but as that gets rolled out further I think there's going to be great potential for, for reach there but then also just YouTube in general I think is is undersold on its organic reach potential. People say that oh it's too saturated, it's too hard to grow on YouTube. I can't pronounce his name but it's like Irak or something, A-I-R-R-A-C-K something along those lines um, he grew from zero to a million followers last year on YouTube and so I think that just shows that if you are producing content that's good enough, you can very quickly amass eyeballs and and reach a lot of people on YouTube. So I think that's another great place to go if you have no money. The other thing that I think is the big, big win for YouTube, the big sort of big strength of YouTube versus other platforms is if you post something on TikTok or if you post something on Instagram Reels or Instagram in general or LinkedIn or whatever, and it does go viral and it does reach loads and loads of people, well, that's like got a 10 day at max sort of shelf life. And after that, that all dries up and then you're back to square one. Maybe you've got more followers, you know, maybe you've got a bit more awareness, but 
ultimately you're only as good as your next piece of content. Whereas on YouTube, you can put a video up, test it, put a video out, put a video out, build on that and sort of learn what's working, start to test things. And maybe after a while, you'll have one video that does well and it starts to, to gather some views. Well, that video stays there on YouTube and it continues to gather those views rather than where it sort of dries up after a week on these platforms. For YouTube, if you've particularly if you can get a video that ranks in a high traffic search, for example, um, well then, like how often have you searched for something on YouTube and you get served a video that's, you know, six months, a year, five years old um, and it's still relevant, it's still answering the question you're searching about and so you, you're going to watch it. So for YouTube, I think it's underrated because of the fact that you can stack one video after the other on top of each other and gradually over time build up the number of views a month you're getting. Um, and yeah, the, the content is a lot more evergreen. That content lasts on YouTube and so... You can, you can build an audience there and you can build upon your successes while continuing to benefit from the successes that you've already sort of seen um, because things sort of last there a lot longer. Um, sorry, I'm just uh, blowing up here and getting a bunch of messages that I thought I'd better check. They're not important, so I'm going to go back to the podcast. Um... So yeah, that's that's what I would do with no money. Next question from Ian, aka Mash. <laughs> I don't know where I can't remember where Mash came from as a nickname, but a fellow MDP Marketing Development Program alum, um, just a great, just a great lad. His question is: two hundred euro to run on paid ads to start a business. How would you spend it? My answer here is: I would begin by not spending it. So keep that money in your back pocket for now. And the strategy I would deploy is to. Go to all those places that I just outlined. So YouTube, YouTube Shorts, TikTok, Instagram Reels, Instagram, normal Instagram, probably on Facebook as well because you can cross post onto LinkedIn, all of these places. Post 50 pieces of content on each of those. Then assess, okay, which are the things that worked? Which are the things that didn't work? Understand, is there sort of reasons I can see? Do, do the ones that didn't work have things in common? Do the ones that did work have things in common? Are there themes that are working? Are there post types that are working? Are there particular platforms that are working particularly well? Figure out all of these things. Then, based on those learnings, I would do another 50 posts on, on each platform, building off what I've learned, trying to sort of build upon it. Generally, I would hope that based on the things that you've learned from the first 50, your second 50, you're going to do even better. And then there's going to be some outliers there that do particularly well again. And from there, then I would potentially, if you've got 200 euro budget, start to consider using that budget. By which point, hopefully after you've done all these posting, you might have been able to save up and you might have 400 euro budget now. But then I think once you're starting to learn which posts do particularly well, as you see something do well, that like then you can start to maybe put 10 euro behind a post to boost it and try to get that reaching a bit further and sort of, you know, leverage the ones that are... And that way you're putting budget behind content that you already know is doing well rather than just sort of making something that you subjectively think could do well and putting the money behind it. I think the more data that you can gather, I think when you're on a tight budget, doing that for free is the best way to do it. The more data you can gather to understand what's working, what's not, etc., um, the the sort of better place you're going to be in when you when you start to when you start to run those paid ads and start to put that spend behind pieces of content. That being said, with a two hundred euro budget, I think you know I think it's something around eight plus um, interactions with a brand people need before 
they convert. So with a 200 euro budget, I wouldn't be expecting that you're going to be driving sales, even if you do this approach where you're where you're testing things out. So I think being realistic about what you're going to achieve with that budget is just an, another important note. I don't think you're going to be able to start like a successful business with, with that 200 euro of ad spend. I think, just having to save my drink. I think if anything, the organic posting lots of things and figuring out what's working, that's the, the better strategy. And then, like I said, putting just like 10 euro behind a post to boost it, to try and boost that reach a bit further. Um, and just doing that over and over and over again is probably the, the answer. What's an example of terrible marketing? Hugh Noonan asks. Hugh Noonan, fine man, uh, fellow black belt in Kung Fu. Um, so don't get in a fight with you. You have been warned. Um, what's an example of just terrible, terrible marketing? Uh, I should have a quicker answer because I've answered all these questions once already. Fucking raging still about that. Sorry if my energy is a bit low. It was a lot higher in the first round of this, honestly. Um, it's it's a struggle to just repeat myself. It's a bit soul destroying, but I'm trying my best here. Okay, come on, Angus, get the energy up. What's some terrible marketing? The answer I've struggled honestly to think of of a good answer for this, but I think something I've heard a bunch about is brands that have used automation so particularly when it's personal brands so it's like posts coming from the page of an individual um which they automate and particularly when it's you know sales of a product sales of a new book sales of an album that sort of thing when those automated posts continue to run when say there's a a national emergency like a, a terror attack something like that those people can then come across as wildly tone deaf um, when sort of, say on Twitter, for example, because I think there's a lot of conversation on Twitter. When on Twitter, all of the conversation is effectively around some sort of large, large national incident, like a terror attack. And then there's people who are posting like, hey, don't forget to to go on Amazon and buy my new book. Um, those people seem incredibly tone deaf and like they can sort of lose customers for life from, from that sort of thing. So... Marketing automation, when it goes wrong, is, I would say, a terrible, terrible example of bad marketing. Um, and yeah, a word of warning for anyone who, who automates their campaigns. Andy Rogers, SEO expert, a man who knows how to get a website organically to the top of the rankings on Google, and a former co-worker of mine at Paddy Power. We actually quit within a week of each other. Um, good times. <laughs> He asks, new website selling sunglasses, how do I market on a tight budget? Um, Andy, I know there's other questions from you further on in, in this episode. I think maybe another one in next week's episode as well. So I won't feel bad for giving you a short answer on this one, but I think it ties back to the stuff I already touched on, which is posting a lot of things organically, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work, gathering as much data as you can, and then understanding what's working, what's not, and using that information to then build upon what's the next thing you're going to post about, um, and, and continuing to learn, test, learn, test, post a lot of content, and over time you'll figure out what resonates with your audience, what works, what drives results. Um, specifically sunglasses, if we want to talk about that, I would say not just doing what everyone else is doing, testing a load of different things. So not just testing, oh, like the same six pictures of sunglasses with slightly different text copy to go with the post. Um, Really drastically different things. Test like weird shit. Test like 
I don't know, fucking smash bear your sunglasses on a video and see how that does. Uh, or, I don't know. <laughs> struggling to think of anything else weird, but like, um, I don't know, you get the idea. Put your, put your sunglasses in a packet of crisps and have someone eating crisps and then they take out what they think is going to be a, a crisp and it's actually a pair of sunglasses and they're like, what the fuck? And then they put them on, they look cool. Like, test a bunch of different, different things to see what works. Because I think people, people a lot of the time just sort of tend to look at what other brands are doing and do a version of that. And so with sunglasses, it's a lot of product shots. A lot of people just wearing the sunglasses, looking cool or whatever. Um, and if you think outside the box and you sort of go beyond what the, the general market is doing and figure out ways to be different and and then test a lot of those different things, be willing to look stupid, be willing to do things that don't do well and that completely tank and bomb. But by doing a lot of those things, you'll eventually get to the things that sort of pop and that do have the potential to go viral and do have the potential, most importantly, to stand out. So sunglasses is a very crowded market, right? You want to do things that makes you stand out, that makes you get reach above and beyond everyone else who's doing sunglasses. And if you're just doing product shots and just doing people looking cool in their sunglasses, you're just going to look like every other sunglasses brand. So the more weird off the wall different things that you can do the better you're gonna the better the results you're gonna see i think i mean you're gonna see some much worse results you're gonna see some awful results by doing that too but the more you're posting the more chances you're giving yourself to understand what's working what's not and you're ultimately more chances you're giving yourself to go viral um next question from paulie mccabe the owner of the red rocket um which is a very inside joke that no one else will get but you know, burst that shit off your lap, man. Um, <laughs> do you think Instagram Reels will take over TikTok? No, is the short answer to that question. The long answer is, I think the biggest point is, I think TikTok is, they're so effective at their algorithms creepily good at understanding people and figuring out what content they like, what resonates with them and serving them more of that. So there's, and also not just getting them into one sort of bucket. It gets you in a lot of different niche buckets that you like and serves you content around a bunch of those different things. And it, it knows how to mix different things in. It knows when to go a bit off the wall. It knows when to serve you. You know, the, there's a reason that TikTok has very quickly become the app with the most time spent above like all of the other sort of social apps. And that's because of their algorithm. And a big reason for that success is the fact that when I open TikTok, it immediately serves me a video. And so from the second that I have TikTok open, it's already learning about what I like, what I don't like, what engages me, what captures my attention, what do I scroll past, right? Whereas with with LinkedIn, with LinkedIn, with Instagram, when I go into Instagram, it's it's the standard feed. And obviously they've got a, an effective algorithm too and they understand stuff, but not to the extent at all that TikTok do. And in order for you to get into the experience where you're sort of, they're starting to gather that more detailed video-based data, which is Reels. Um, you have to take a departure from where you are. You, it's a few clicks away before you get in there. So the fact, the fact that TikTok is immediately gathering that data and the fact that they're so incredibly good so early on at, at using their algorithm to figure out exactly what content works with what sort of people, um, I think means... I think Instagram realizes they're in trouble and that's why they're copying fast and trying to build out reels, which is like a, a competitor product, but it's, it's not as good. They're, 
it's I mean in my experience anyway I, I haven't really spent that much time on it um, but I think yeah TikTok is going nowhere for me I think it's an exciting place and it's going to go from strength to strength let me have a sip of my drink <laughs> next question comes from Haley. I'm writing a cookbook but don't like being online much how to overcome so I think there's a few different variants of the answer depending on what you mean by you don't like being online much. Um, I presume it doesn't mean you just don't like being on the internet because I think most people like spending some time on the internet. I think it's probably potentially is it that you don't like putting yourself out there on the internet. That's an understandable one. I think with a cookbook, there's a few options if that's the case. I think first of all, understanding what it is you don't like and figuring out what's the root cause of it. And if it's like, oh, I don't, want to put myself out there because I feel uncomfortable Um, I'm like don't want people to judge me or I don't want people to to laugh at me or whatever if it's that sort of stuff then I would encourage you to to paraphrase or to quote um, Heather Torres from episode 16 of the podcast Uh, you need to punch fear in the face and just get over it and just start putting yourself out there even when it is uncomfortable that would be my my first piece of advice and my instinct tells me that that's what it is it's that you're uncomfortable putting yourself out there because you're worried about what other people think I can very much empathize and I still have a lot of those insecurities myself and I still post a lot less than I should, largely driven by those insecurities. But the more that you can get over them, the more that you can get over that fear and push through it, the, the better you'll feel ultimately, Rather, not even about what results you'll see. And you need to stop caring about what the results are and start, you know, rather than feeling good when you post something that gets a load of likes start feeling good about the fact that you posted something um, and whatever the results over time will speak for themselves even if they don't in the short term um, so that's one answer the next thing is um, if you're just like no that's not me I just do not want my face on like social media I don't want to be making videos I don't want any of that stuff I think when it comes to cookery I think there is the option to have a page that's purely faceless and that just relies only on the food so you can make cool videos of you cooking up the recipes cool nice food photography maybe linking out to a blog where you have the sort of recipes where people can can follow along or can print them off that sort of stuff um, and I think that's a way where without putting yourself out there um, on a personal level you can still grow a following um, for the, the food which will then sort of tee you up in a good place for the cookbook and also by the way don't forget to check out the episode of the podcast with Nicola Halloran who talks all about exactly the process that she followed to get a cookbook published Um, and she did it through or like helped by having a following but she also just goes through a lot of the process that you you need to follow so I think no matter what if you haven't listened to that episode that will be super useful for you Um, and the other point is if if it's like if you just are like no I just don't want to be online I don't want to be po- I don't want to make a website I don't want to make an Instagram page I don't want to be posting if that's the case then I think the other option is figuring out how do you make something that's such a good idea of a cookbook that's so differentiated or that's like there's such a clear reason why people would want that cookbook over other cookbooks and you sort of make a uh, an outline you make a really compelling case and you go to a bunch of agents and you go to a bunch of publishers well then by by making yourself super differentiated by making the idea be so good that people can't ignore it or that it's so compelling that people will want to read it I think that's the other option is is going 
to the point where you've got such a good idea that you don't need to have a following because you've just got such a good idea that publishers are going to be biting your hand off to to get the deal signed and to be able to publish your book. Those are the three options I would advise and I think um, some combination. But yeah, if it is that you're just uncomfortable and you're a bit like scared of putting yourself out there, um, I feel you, but the more that you can get over those things and just force yourself to, to get out there, the happier you'll feel, I think. But hopefully one of those answers helps and definitely listen to the episode with Nicola Halloran and if you listen to it once probably listen to it again because if you're writing a cookbook there's there's few podcasts I've listened to that are better advice on publishing a cookbook than that one um, albeit I haven't listened to many many podcasts about releasing cookbooks but still gotta plug the gotta plug the show when I can next question from Kyle David who if you don't know who he is go follow him on Instagram go check out his podcast uh, I freaking forgot it the first time I could have looked it up in between but I didn't something like In The Mirror is his podcast Um, but if you search for Carl David Mirror Podcast you'll find it so go listen also some great music on Spotify so just shout out Carl David absolute legend Kyle asks what are your thoughts on TikTok ads and what are the best strategies for TikTok I'll answer this in reverse order first of all best strategies for TikTok in terms of what matters on TikTok and how I talked about how, how effective their algorithm is at figuring out, you know, how to get people to stay on the app. And there's two key factors, I think, if you're if you're thinking about making videos on TikTok. Again, do as I say, not as I do. I haven't, I haven't managed to figure out how to get my own videos to do well, probably because I'm just not putting in enough effort, honestly. Let's be real. But if you're trying to grow on TikTok, two really important things. First thing is creating videos that capture people's attention. So what is the first millisecond what's the first second first two seconds looking like and how is that how effective is that at capturing people's attention people scroll ridiculously lightning fast through tiktok and if if the first second of a video isn't compelling or interesting to them they're gone and they're gone forever and then after a few people scroll past your video like that then tiktok will quickly say this just isn't a, an interesting or engaging video so let's stop showing it Assuming if you do get the first second or two right and you you are doing something that's attention grabbing and it is pulling people in, the next thing that's really important is the amount of time people spend viewing your video. Um, So in general, I think going like above 10 seconds, probably like between 15 and 25 seconds is probably the optimal Goldilocks zone in terms of video length um, from what I've heard. And so, yeah, how, how, how effective are you at keeping people watching? So, like I said, TikTok's very quickly become the app where people are spending more time than any other app. And they're doing that by finding videos that catch people's attention and that hold people's attention. And then by pushing those videos out to a lot of relevant audiences. So you need to figure out how to catch how to catch attention in the first second or two of a video and then how to hold that attention by, you know, telling a story that draws people in or keeping people hanging for a cliffhanger that comes at the end of the video, whatever it is, figuring out those two things, how to stop people in the feed and how to hold their attention. Um, if you do those two things, you will be successful on TikTok. Going back to the first part of the question, which is around TikTok ads and what my thoughts are there. Um, I haven't got any experience myself of running ads there, but from what I've heard from certain people, I think it is a very exciting place to be running ads. Um, and I think it's underpriced at the moment. Hold on, let me just take another sip of my drink. Yeah, I think it's very underpriced, but I think there is sort of barriers to entry there at the moment. In order to advertise, you, 
it's not like say facebook where like anyone can just go in and set up an advertising account and immediately start running ads with tiktok you need to be an approved partner and you need to have like access granted so it's only like certain big brands and certain big agencies shout out vayner media one of the approved business partners um but just sort of tom dick and harry are not allowed to just jump in and start advertising and so that's one reason why it is a particularly exciting place if you can figure out how to get in there to be advertising because it because of that sort of reduced competition it's underpriced that then paired with the fact that a lot of advertisers aren't necessarily sold on tiktok yet a lot of people do still do still see it as like a place where you know teenage girls go to just post videos of themselves dancing and so a lot of senior you know budget controlling marketers don't necessarily buy it yet as a platform where they'd want to be advertising so because so and so that means there's even less advertisers sort of competing and so because of that sort of there's there's more supply than there is demand at the moment and so because of that there's very efficient advertising rates available there so what i would say is as and when they do come out with a self-serve advertising product and and advert people sort of you know tom nick and harry are allowed to open their own advertising accounts and start advertising there i would say anyone who moves fast when that becomes an option and gets in there early and starts to run ads will for at least the first few months of that time frame see very efficient results and those results won't last it's sort of the trend that has happened across every digital platform that has started to run advertising it starts very cheap because there's there's less competition there's you know there's a surplus of supply and so get in there early as and when it becomes available and you will see good results next question from kira how does someone who wants to make money via tiktok market themselves i think in terms of marketing yourself on tiktok i think it goes back to the two points i just touched on which are catching attention and holding attention it's it's about how how many people watch your videos and how long they spend watching your videos and the the more that you can increase both of those numbers the better you're going to do in terms of reaching more people on the platform um and so I think that's sort of the formula for, for reaching people there. In terms of how to make money, I think you don't want to be thinking about making money straight away or early on. Like just focus on figuring out how to create videos that work, how to build an audience, how to build a following. And I think over time, if you can successfully do that, then the sort of money will follow. Um, in terms of making money, I think it's it's largely the same way you would see people making money. For example, you know, influencers on, say, Instagram. It's There's a range of options. You can do deals with brands who want to pay you in order to access your audience and, and advertise their product through you to the, the audience. You can do things like merch or you can have, you know, other products. So, you know, like you could have an info product around here's how I grew my TikTok following. You can sell people your course on how to grow on TikTok or, um, you know, the, the list is endless. You can do what Mr. Beast did and open a chain of burger restaurants. Um, once you have the audience and once you have the attention, the ways to monetize them um, are pretty infinite. And it's your your mind is the uh, your mind is the only limiting factor there. I think in your imagination. But I think thinking about making money from day one is just a losing play. Figuring out how to make videos that are compelling, that are entertaining, that cause people to watch them, cause people to share them, and and build up that audience is the first thing to focus on and, and only thing to focus on for the first long time and sort of the money will follow if you can successfully do that. Next question, another question from Andy, my Paddy Power quitting partner. <laughs> Influencer marketing versus search marketing. I think 
there are definite examples where influencer marketing can be super effective and i think there's um some some definite use cases for it i think there's i mean i think it's like like a lot of things there there can be very good versions of it and very bad versions of it i think when done well it can be super impactful i think i've definitely bought a bunch of products because of influencer marketing and how it swayed me and made me sort of believe in in products some of them have been shit (laughs) and i've been duped um but i mean the marketing was still effective then the product let it down and other things i've been super happy with and i i um have been happy i was influenced into making the purchase but yeah so influencer marketing can be really good but as a fellow search marketer andy i'm sure you will agree that there is no no better form of marketing than search marketing and the reason for that is the intent based nature of search engine marketing whereas if i'm sort of running an ad on if i'm running an ad on instagram the people who go on Instagram are going to Instagram to engage with and view the content of the pages and the people that they follow there. And so as an advertiser trying to get my message in front of them there, it is by necessity a disruptive advertising experience where I'm trying to get them to go from what they're there to do, distract them and get them to say, go to my website and take another action versus what they were actually there for. With search, people are telling you exactly what they're looking for and the perfect search ad or search, you know, search SEO, search engine optimization, organic search experience. Either way, the perfect experience on search is to give someone exactly what they're looking for. And so rather than being disruptive to their their experience, it can be additive to their, their experience. Um, it can build upon and give them exactly what they're looking for. And so I always, for some reason, with search, give the example of red shoes. I'm just stuck in my mind on it. But if someone's searching for red shoes and I serve them an ad that says, shop our range of red shoes, and I send them to a landing page that gives them a range of red shoes to choose from, that's like perfect. That's exactly, they're telling me what they want and I'm giving them what they want. And so with search, you can sort of work backwards from what your business does or what product you offer, what products you offer, figure out what are people searching for that maps exactly for what I'm selling or what my business offers and you can just map those things perfectly and serve them an ad that that speaks to exactly what it is they're searching for and drives them to a landing page that gives them exactly what they're looking for um, and so that's why search search marketing is the ultimate marketing because it's intent-based people are telling you exactly what they want they're giving you the information um, and you can you can take that information they're giving they're giving you and build upon it and give them exactly what they're looking for and so because of that search marketing is where it's at and it's the ultimate form of marketing and i'm gonna have another sip of my drink speaking of influencer marketing i'm not getting paid for this but i'm sipping today on rather than just some cool refreshing tap water i'm sipping on a peach flavored sparkling water from ugly uh and if you use the code get ugly 40 i think uh you can get 40 percent off on their website and you can just you can be like me and order crates of sparkling water i used to drink a lot of diet coke like pepsi max and i my theory is that the aspartame in it destroyed my gut bacteria and i was drinking like six cans a day or something and it made me feel weird and then i stopped drinking it and i didn't feel weird anymore but I did have a void because I liked drinking sparkling canned drinks Uh, and so ugly flavoured sparkling water is the one for me get ugly 40 for 40% off or if you have no interest in getting 40% off send me your details and I think I can use them to probably order myself another 
order with 40% off. So either way, someone's a winner. <laughs> um, next question from another fine coworker of mine and good friend of mine, Book and Hat Helsey, a.k.a. Helen Walker. Shout out, you bloody legend. Her question is, besides this podcast, what are other good resources? I will finish the question because I imagine it's what are the good resources for people to learn about marketing? Um, let me see. Try to remember what I said the first time I fucking recorded this episode. Well, didn't record is the key way to say that, I guess. Uh, attempted to record. Um, call it a dress rehearsal. That'll make, that makes me feel better. I did a dress rehearsal before this episode, guys, and it went well. Um, what are the good resources? So, First of all, this is just a video that I like. It's not necessarily directly about marketing, but if you're trying to learn about marketing, you probably want to get rich. And so if you want to get rich, a great video on YouTube is uh, The Secrets of Self-Made Millionaires by Brian Tracy. Would recommend. Um, let me think. Um, sorry, my phone's, my phone's making noises. Um, but yeah, in general, YouTube and Google are like the ultimate resources and from there it's your imagination and your willingness to sort of click into a few links and do a bit of digging are the only limiting factors like literally you can fucking search for anything on google and youtube and there's almost certainly going to be an answer uh which is fucking pretty insane if you think about it that's we're pretty lucky that that's just a resource that's available to us and like people who don't leverage that resource are nuts in my mind um, other in terms of marketing obviously the main man Gary V gives away daily top notch free marketing advice would recommend following him across all platforms um, and drinking in that knowledge that he shares so freely um, and also check out his books has some great books Crush It is a short read and sort of a good starting point for anyone looking to learn about marketing um, but then others that sort of go into more detail Jab 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 Right Hook uh, the Ask Gary V book check him out uh in terms of other youtube resources tom billiu um has a great podcast not necessarily about marketing as much that's more sort of life optimization but it's great um also lewis house again more life optimization than marketing but also great um the school of greatness that one's called impact theory is tom billiu's one um and then if you want to learn about digital marketing specifically um like running paid advertising every single platform has awesome free resources available so there's google has like ridiculous amounts of free information that you can learn from um and honestly like i learned in my first two weeks of working i just did all the self self-taught learning from google and like learned more about search advertising than i did in my degree in marketing my master's degree brag i've got a master's um facebook has blueprint twitter has flight school linkedin has I can't remember what it's called, Advertising School, Pinterest has it. Across all the platforms, you can like, like you could learn enough to become a marketing professional very, very easily in terms of digital marketing just from the free resources that each platform gives to you. So um, yeah, YouTube, Google and the platform resources if you want to get into paid advertising. Next question from Dave Hanlon. Uh, hope your dog's not being too bold, Dave. Dave Hanlon has a very bold dog. Um... <laughs> and a very cute one did you see a huge increase in traffic after the Ari interview short answer is no um, I did not uh, On if you don't know Ari Shafir uh, world famous comedian as seen on 
many episodes of the Joe Rogan Experience and many other podcasts and TV shows and Netflix specials. Um, was a guest on the podcast and during the episode he said well I guarantee this episode's going to get more listeners because there's just a lot of people searching for me in the podcast world he has his own podcast that gets a lot of listeners he's been on Joe Rogan's podcast a bunch which gets a lot a lot of listeners he's got a big brand Uh, and so I was fucking pumped I was like fuck yeah Ari's coming on the show he's going to get me a load of listeners for my podcast fast forward a couple of weeks nothing fucking like not even the most listened to episode uh, there's been a number of episodes that have more downloads than the R episode and honestly I can't wait to till the next time I see him and I'm just going to slag him about the fact that he was so cocky and confident that his name was going to get me all these downloads I mean I wish he'd been fucking right but it's a, a strong consolation prize is the fact that I get to make fun of him <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, so no, not a big, uh, not a big boost in traffic from Ari. Cheers, Ari, for getting my hopes up and then under delivering. Another question from Paul: Why haven't you started an art by Angus Insta page? Good question. One that I've definitely considered and thought about, um, but ultimately I thought, listen, I already have hundreds of followers on my personal Instagram page. Why start from scratch? Uh, when I can just start posting to those people, um, I'm sure some I'm sure some people probably unfollowed me when I started posting shitloads of pictures of paintings. Um, those people can go fuck themselves. I mean, I still love them, uh, and it's their choice that they don't like some of the greatest abstract art that has ever been created. Whatever, that's up to them. Um, but most people didn't unfollow me. Most people engage and are supportive and enjoy seeing it. And so rather than sort of starting from scratch, I thought it was made more sense to, to keep it on one page. And then also, like, in that world, then maybe I would have created another Instagram page for the podcast and just have a creative marketing podcast Instagram page and an Art by Angus uh, Instagram page and a Angus's personal Instagram page. And honestly, like, I just don't have time. That's too much effort. Fuck that. Uh, and also, I like just having it all in one centralized place. Um, where I can just chat about everything and if people don't like it they can fucking jog on you know Uh, and safe in the knowledge that I still love them even though I will be judging their poor taste okay next question is a long one from Mr. Philip Barrel I think that's how I say his name Um, but Phil from the star uh, also oh, Andy Mack asked a question who would I rather be which which star dealer this is a very niche question that most people won't get would I rather be Steve Martin or Rob McGre- Rob McGredmond <laughs> um, the answer is I can't answer that I can't choose between them they're both just such wonderful people I would choose to be their adopted child if I could the question though from Phil cycling gear is extremely premium in terms of pricing 80 to 200 euro from basically some air techs with a zip and some pockets higher prices generally coming from heritage brands with history and reputation how would you enter the market with a competitive cheaper product while maintaining the quote-unquote illusion of super high quality and perception of elite lifestyle interested to hear your thoughts on launching a brand and pricing accordingly so first thing i would lose out of this question is the quotation marks and indeed the word illusion if Airtex and a zip and some pockets is all it takes to be a high quality product then don't undersell yourself by sort of 
seeming like it's not if if you can then if you can recreate what is already considered a high quality product well then you also have a high quality product so don't undersell yourself and don't go in if you're going in with the mindset that you're sort of tricking people into buying your product then you're setting yourself up for failure i think um so that would be the first thing i think in terms of how to like enter into that market i think it does sound like it's a high potential exciting area um and i think it is something that that there is probably room for a sort of challenger brand that is more affordable i think there's a couple of things i would say i think figuring out and working with a number of suppliers and figuring out how you need to figure out your margins so what like it sounds like you could still have a decently priced product where you could probably make decent margins so like 40 or 50 euro versus the 80 to 200 euro um price range so figuring out how what supplier you would use figuring out you know getting samples and getting something that is still good quality because i think quality if you don't have a quality product you're 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 sort of you're fucked from the get-go um so figuring that out while making it something where you can make a comfortable margin so that it is like a viable business um but but figuring out how to do that while coming in cheaper and and undercutting a lot of the competition from there i think there's a couple of things i think this is an example where influencer marketing could be super effective i think a lot of the cycling stuff is sort of quite trend based and if the cool kids are sort of wearing the cool cycling gear then other people want that same gear so i think getting it on the right people and you know getting people who are influential in that world wearing it posting it on their social media etc is a great way to start sort of building that brand the other thing i would say is like knowing what the sort of cycling gear generally tends to look like i think having some sort of very clear visual differentiator something that very clearly is your brand um for example if you live in the uk and you know monzo the bank they have a bright orange bank card and so that was sort of a very effective way of marketing because people would see these people with these bright orange cards and it wasn't something that was like a done thing in the in the banking world before then and so figuring out something that can make it visually distinctive so that as cyclists are wearing them people see them cycling around and that sort of becomes a very effective free way of advertising your brand so be that like a specific pattern or a specific color or color scheme figuring out something that makes you stand out versus the others i think is a way that you then have every cyclist who's wearing that gear become a billboard for your brand effectively and so as they're cycling around wearing your brand that sort of becomes a marketing tool in itself um so influencer marketing some sort of distinctive visual identifier for the brand that makes it stand out and then i think lastly if you are coming in cheaper than any sort of advertising efforts social media posting etc should be centered around how you're getting the same thing with your brand for a much cheaper price and sort of running the comparison doing shit like the the infamous pepsi versus coca-cola blindfolded taste test figuring out ways you can do something similar to that where you're you know having someone blindfolded feeling the two different cycling jerseys and saying oh i can't tell the difference or like oh having people pick your one and then say oh well you could you can get this one for 25 percent of the price of that 200 euro cycling jersey even though it's the same quality same material cooler patterns you know really using your marketing to hammer home the fact that you're getting the same product of the same quality or better quality for a significantly cheaper price um but I think the I think the biggest thing is figuring out something 
something that makes you visually identifiable so that every single person who's wearing that cycling gear becomes an advertisement for the cycling gear and that will spread word of mouth that will build a buzz and and that would be the way i would i would think about going about it last question for this week's episode god <clears throat> i'm really starting to my note why every time like apologies for the disgusting sniffling noises um Every time my nose gets real blocked, and given this is the second time I'm doing it, it's extra blocked, and my throat's getting sore. Um, but you know what? I'm not a baby, so I'm not going to cry about it. All right. Uh, I hope this podcast episode has been useful. Um, let's get into the last question. Last question is: Who would your dream guest be? Another question from Booking Hat Halsey. Shout out. Um, who would my dream guest be? My dream guest would be skateboarder and entrepreneur rob deerdeck um he's just a fucking legend if you ever watched the fantasy factory it's one of my favorite tv shows that ever existed it's so fucking funny he's a legend and he's he's an absolute legend he's like an add hyperactive maniac who also has one of the most screwed on hyper focused business minds um and it's an incredible combination he's an incredible person i love him and i can't wait for the day when he's on the show because it's going to be great um crazy this thing super excited me this week i saw episode 11 of the creative marketing podcast i had a guest on named michael chernow and michael chernow last week posted a story of him with rob deerdeck because rob deerdeck is coming on his podcast and so the fact that now I am literally one degree of separation, separation, <laughs> one degree of separation away from Rob Deerdeck. Someone who was on my podcast is having Rob Deerdeck on their podcast. Let's fucking go. Like if that's in year one, like month fucking five or whatever of my podcast and we're at that stage. I mean, I think dreams can come true and I look forward to pointing back to episode 20 when Rob is on the podcast and saying, oh my God, can you believe I talked about this all these years ago and now you're on my podcast. That's fucking cool, isn't it? Um, So that's my dream guest. Uh, Someday he'll be on the show and I can't wait. It's going to be a great episode. You're really going to dig that one. Um, Yeah, that's, that's the last question. I'm glad I did a dress rehearsal so I could practice and, you know, be on form for you guys. Apologies for the sound of my voice through my blocked nose. Um, I can't help it. Um, hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope it was useful. If you have any questions that you would like featured in episode 21, uh, slide into my DMs at Angus Boyle on Instagram. Hit me up. Um, and there's already a pretty long list for episode 21 but you know we can make it a bumper episode make it a long one hopefully i don't have to do it twice next time so the energy might be a bit higher but i can say with confidence this is definitely a better episode than last week's episode if you listen to that i apologize (laughs) um other than that let me get my guitar for the outro you ready are you sure you're ready this has been oh that was bad (laughs) too bassy this has been the creative marketing podcast thanks for tuning in tune in again next week for another episode of the creative marketing podcast with me your host angus boyle um all that's left to say is don't forget to subscribe don't forget to leave a review if you're listening on spotify get off spotify go to itunes find the podcast and leave a review 
Like it will only take you a minute max. And it would mean the world to me. And I'd really appreciate it. Or don't if you don't want to. Whatever. <laughs> um, like I said. If you have any questions that you would like answered in the next episode. Send them my way. Uh, you're a wonderful person. I hope you have a great day. A great year. A great life. I love you from the bottom of my heart. God bless you. And God bless America. <laughs> or not. Whatever you're into. Uh, see you next week. Peace.